0: by naturopathicearth.com here is certified health coach a gregory luna with confessions of an obese child hey everybody this is a gregory luna of course you can call me gregory welcome back to another episode of confessions of an obese child november style It's been some time since I've done an episode. I think uh, the last one had to do with Halloween. And so today I wanted to talk about some steps that we can do to avoid binge eating. As you know, if you listen to this series, and of course the best way to listen to this series, guys, is to start from the beginning and work your way up because there's more, there's kind of an evolution, there's a narrative to the story from my earliest childhood memories of how I became overweight to issues that I still address right now in my adulthood. But of course, if you've listened to this series, you know that I suffered from a lot of binge eating issues. And I thought it'd be good just to share some steps that have worked in my past to help me curb that desire to binge eat. Now, before we begin... Go to the website naturopathicearth.com. I am currently trying to establish a Patreon account so you guys can, if you like, and there's no duress. This is not a shotgun donation. Uh, If you'd like to donate a dollar or so a month to support Kate and I's maintenance of the website and the podcasts, Naturopathic Earth Radio and Kate's Apothecary, uh, that'd be great. So go over there. And of course, I am a certified health coach. And if you are interested in losing weight, or just cleaning up your life, you can always contact me and hire me, but no pressure there. All right, so binge eating. Yeah, this is all I thought about day in, day out. I just obsessed over, if you go back all the way to the locked cabinet, if you go back to college dysfunction, I mean, my entire life, it's essentially me daydreaming about, (laughs) what am I gonna eat today? (laughs) Am I going to eat ice cream? What's the ice cream doing right now? What's that cereal doing? Which which aisle is it in? Is it on the top aisle? What about that Big Mac? Where Where is the, the meat right now? I mean, I would literally think about the stages of production of my food. That's what I did when I was a kid. And even as an adult, I'd start getting fidgety. Like one of the biggest times I'd get fidgety is... At the grocery store, I'd be running through there just trying to grab as much, not trying to think at all, right? Just grab, 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 grab. Then the most anxiety-provoking time would be in the in the, in the the uh, checkout lane to check out because it's like, I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait. I wanted to get this so I can get to the car and start eating. Also, I knew the longer I waited, the better chance I would not get the food and I would actually put some stuff away. And even though half of me... Didn't want to eat the food. More of me did, and so I'd be happy if it was a short line because, of course, it'd be a quicker road to instant gratification and then instant self-loathing. And so that's how it would work. So I, mean, I don't know how far back we're going to go on this, but I, you know, essentially got, got became overweight because of issues with my my parents and just how my father was a functional ageaholic and an alcoholic. My mother was very distant, and then I gained weight, and I used food as a kind of a, a crutch, and as a way to self-soothe, and then when the kids started name-calling me, because they'd call me Fat Albert, then it just fueled the eating, fueled the stress, fueled the anxiety, and then I just got bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and to the point where I was 280 pounds when I was about 16 years old, and I just didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I, I I I knew what I was doing to myself was very harmful to my future, to my health and all that. But you know, when you're young and I see this in my students, it's like, they don't, they have no concept of mortality, right? They think they're going to live a long time. So when we talk about food toxins and all that, you know, they always say, we're going to live, we're going to die one day anyways, which is common. You know, I had, I kind of had that idea as well when I was in, in high school, but I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have the emotional faculties and the wisdom to know how to deal with my emotional eating. And what kid can honestly do the introspection necessary to figure out why they do the vice that they do? And so as I, as I became an adult and my binge eating didn't abate, I, I had the wherewithal to know that I was doing was wrong, but I lacked the power to stop it. I ate my emotions, I mean, pure and simple. If I was sad, I ate. If I was alone, I ate. If I was mad, I ate. If I got in a fight with my ex-wife, I ate. If I had a tough time at work, I ate. I did it to numb the pain and to punish myself for kind of being incompetent. Right? You don't know how, you're such a bad, you know, whatever occupation you were, you're such a bad wife, you're such a bad father, I'm going to go eat. And so, you know, in in my childhood, food was like my only friend, right? It's like they can't talk back to you. It's always there for you. Always makes you feel good for at least the first five minutes. Then, it, of course, makes you feel like crap. But you don't remember that, right? It's it's like when you have like wistful memories of an ex lover, right? And and you all all you, you look back at is all the good memories. You don't want to. You, you've kind of like blocked out all the bad memories. It's kind of like with James Dean and Marilyn Monroe, since they died young. You know, they're always going to be immortalized as being young. And beautiful, unlike somebody like Liz Taylor or Zsa, Zsa Gabor, you know, it's people that, that just got old. So you, you kind of immortalize what you want to immortalize and forget uh, what you want to forget. So here are some steps that I think might help in helping you deal with that, that desire to binge eat and what are some things you can do to stop it all right so we have to continue with the, the synth pounding techno music right because that's the intro music so number one and this is probably the hardest one because it requires some introspection is why are you doing it this though the concept seems pretty simple prior to taking that first bite of the gallon of ice cream i'd ask myself why am i doing this Why am I doing this? And on one level, of course, I know why, right? To to numb and distract me from some underlying stressor. But it does help to articulate and verbalize it to put down to the open. It's it's just, it's cathartic just in itself to utter the question. Similar how it's cathartic to go to a priest to confess a sin. It just feels good to say it. So if you can just step back and say, why am I doing it? It kind of puts the onus on me to address the topic. And then I have to say at one point, unless I'm really trying to block it out, you have to try to answer and you say, I'm wanting to binge because I had a tough day at work or I wanted to binge because I'm bored. So by articulating the reason why you want to binge, it almost disarms the threat, right? It's it's what they say similar to to uh, panic attacks, right? If you feel a panic attack coming, or like, as I mentioned in episode three, of the invisible student, I used to have these sweat attacks in college post weight loss. They would always say, just, just let it come over you. Because if you try to fight it and fight it, you're like the kid putting a, a, a their finger in a dike. It's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. So you just embrace the sweat, embrace the panic, let it overcome you, don't catastrophize, know that eventually it's gonna pass, and the more that you do that, the more that exposure therapy, better chance you're not gonna feel it. So, in the long run, so you can answer yourself and say, you know, like, why am I wanting to bitch because I'm bored or whatever, you say, Albert, you're stressed, you know there are better ways to deal with this, don't eat the food. So just introspect, ask the question, Ask the question. Try to have the self awareness just to stand back while you're in that aisle and resist it because it's so hard, guys. I know when you have all your junk food laid out and you're so excited, it's so hard to put all that food away. But one of the ways you can do it is by asking you, why are you doing it? The second way to overcome those desires to binge eat is go exercise. So the next time you're craving that binge and you're driving recklessly to get to that drive-thru or you're pacing anxiously at the supermarket, go take a run. Get yourself out of that temptation. So once you get to the gym, you'll be in a safe confine from that temptation, plus you'll be able to work out. And the nice ancillary benefit of that is not only will you burn some calories, but you'll get that cathartic release from exercise because that's one of the reasons why we eat, right? We have this accumulation. It's kind of like static electricity throughout the day. That's why they they always endorse grounding or earthing, right, going to step on the ground to de- deionize yourself from all the electricity. It's, by going to work out, you are going to get that catharsis that, that you were, that you that you were needing because you were wanting to eat all day, all day, all day. And then, then you go to the word, you go to work out and then it kind of diffuses some of it. It kind of diffuses it. Now the issue of course is make sure you don't binge eat after you work out because now you're like, Whoa, I worked out. So I guess I can eat more. All right. The third step that you can do to resist the binge eating temptation, the binge eating demons, is leave your money at home. Leave your money at home. Now, this is this is this is pretty drastic, and this is kind of connected to the working out thing. So let's so let's say you're at the supermarket and you're like, "No, I'm not going to do it." Then you go work out, and you're like, "Wow, that feels good." But now you're like, "Oh, the demons are coming back. They're like that that little devil on your shoulder. It's like you go eat. You know you want to do it. Go eat. It'll feel good. Look, you just worked out." You can eat even more. So one of the things you can do is just don't take money with you. I did this for about two years when I used to work at a clinic, an x-ray clinic or an urgent care clinic, and I shot x rays there. And I was in this 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 stage, this period where I would go and stop at Taco Bell and get like four burritos on the way home, right? And I'd eat them while driving, which is such a horrible way to enjoy food. Is It's one thing to sit in the car and listen to music or listen to radio and eat. It's another thing to eat and drive because you can't enjoy the food and you're just stuffing yourself. You're just stuffing yourself, not to mention it's very hazardous, right? If you're trying to find French fries in the passenger seat or whatever, you're not paying attention. You're just in that zone to binge eat. So what I did was I would not take money with me, but I was so desperate. The cravings, the demons were so strong. I would literally ask people for a dollar or two, my coworkers, or I would go to the doctors and raid their drawers for chump change. And I would do that. That, That's how bad it was. I was like a freaking meth addict. No offense to meth addicts. So one of the things you can do, and of course you gotta hedge your bets because you're like, oh, what happens if I get a car accident? I might need a credit card. But we we pretty much know that home is the safe base because you can make your house not have foods that you're more likely to binge eat over, binge eat with, binge eat to. I don't know what preposition you would use, or binge eat at. So it's just, you got to get home, right? So it's are out and about. So if you know you're just going to go to the supermarket or go to the gym, you don't need your credit cards or cash. Just leave it all at home. It helps diffuse the stress, the accumulating, building stress of the desire to binge eat. And you can actually go run errands or you can go take a walk or you go to the gym because you're like, hey, I know I'm not going to have any temptation to eat because I don't have the money to do it. And it relaxes you. So try that. Try that. All right, the fourth thing that you can do is go punch something. <laughs> I know this sounds pretty dramatic and kind of drastic, but it is a way of the let out steam again, because it's all about not addressing underlying stressors. That's why the best way to treat this is to ask yourself, why am I doing this? And have that self-awareness, at introspection. But a lot of us don't have it or we don't want to address it that way. So let's say you're just really stressed, and You're like, oh, and I used to do this. I used to like scream and yell at myself. And I would say, Albert, don't do it. Don't do it. And then I'd be, you're such a piece of shit. You're you're like a, sorry, piece of sheet rock. And you'd be like, oh, you're so worthless. You're just an an addict. You're a slave to the food. And you just get so angry and you get so worked up because you hate yourself so much because you know what you're gonna do. You know what you're gonna do and you're already hating yourself before you do it. So sometimes it helps just go to the car and scream as loud as you can, but don't drive away or go punch a pillow, or go punch your younger brother. <laughs> just get it out. Again, it's, it's about catharsis. It's about catharsis. So go run, go just do whatever, just get it out. You get the release of the endorphins, and you will feel better. You will feel better. So give it a shot. Go punch something. Preferably something that won't destroy your hand or the house. All right, number five is going to be journaling. Journaling is kind of connected to the other two. It's connected to the introspection. It's also connected to the catharsis. So if you can keep a running journal, it helps when you look back at it years later to see what you're going through, and it gives you a lot of perspective. And it also helps you underlie or uh, identify some like underlying self-loathing tendencies. It helps with identifying major triggers. And honing in on your self introspective skills. So at the time, it's really important to just write, write, write. Stream of consciousness, consciousness, whatever you're thinking about at that moment. Like, why am I eating? Why am I? Why am I eat this? Happened to me. This happened to me. I want to eat this. It's just write it, write it, write it down. And then later on in a year or whatever, you go back and you're like, hmm, interesting. Because again, we don't all have the same level of self awareness. And by writing it out, you can go back and read it and be like, oh. Eureka, I figured out why I'm doing this. And I did journal for several years. And unfortunately, I lost my journals. And then I went through a phase where I did, this is back in the late 90s, I started doing oral recordings. I would get a tape recorder and just do that. But then I noticed that took a long time too. So just write, journal, write, 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 write. Just get it off, get it off your chest, whatever it takes. (laughs) Alright, issue number six, drink loads of water. Now, thirst masquerades as hunger. So lots of times when we're dehydrated, we think we're hungry when we're not. So with, with binge eaters, it's kind of a moot point since we don't want, we don't eat when we're hungry. We just eat because we are fill in the blank. So that being said, if you're really, really feeling the hankering to binge, eat, drink loads of water. Now, not so much where you'll get hyponatremia and you'll you'll, you'll die because you, you, your electrolyte imbalance is off. But I mean, you you t- get that kind of thing. You, you've heard about drowning in your brain and all that. To do that, you got to drink a lot of water. But it's enough to fill your stomach, and this is one of the biohacks they always mention in, in general when you want to eat, and this is one of the biohacks that I mentioned on MPE Radio number 77 on 16 Actionable Steps to Biohack Thanksgiving, and I said one of them is drink a lot of water because that will fill you up, that will fill you up, and it'll dissuade you from eating. Now, if it doesn't, the belly full of water will kind of prevent you from binging, because your tummy ache will kick in sooner. So I have mentioned before, like, I could wolf down literally six Big Macs, two gallons of ice cream, dozens of cookies. But as soon as I drank a, a drop of water, my stomach would hurt to high heaven. So the principle behind this is drink a lot of water and then even if you are gonna binge eat, which of course we're trying to use all these other steps to prevent you from doing it, but when you get to the point where you wanna binge eat, the water is filled up your stomach so much where you, you really can't pack it in like you normally do because you'll start wanting to vomit. So it's not like the best way to avoid binge eating because you are maybe still gonna binge eat, but it is like a way to abate, abate the amount that you can eat if you go down that road. All right. Step number seven to avoid the binge eating demons is chew gum. I know this is kind of a strange one, but chewing gum tends to help with anxiety. Uh, preferably use like a xylitol sweetened kind of gum because that's actually good for all health and it's not bad for you. doesn't have aspartame in it. And I mean, you don't want to be chewing like Violet, pure garden, Willy Wonka, but chewing can abate or lessen the hankering to binge eat and distract you maybe long enough so you can use some of the other aforementioned behavior modifications that we've already mentioned uh, earlier. So just chew a lot of gum, chew, 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 because, you know, a lot of the desire to binge eat is, is really from an anxiety level where you're just really anxious. So by chewing gum, that might, that might attenuate or lessen some of that desire. So chew some gum. ¶¶ All right, another step that you can do is just talk to somebody. It's so effective like in Alcoholics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous to have an accountability buddy. This is what they use because part of it is that we like to live in shame. We like to live in secrecy. We don't want anybody to know that we're binge eaters. So we hide it, we hide it, we hide it, we hide it, we hide it. And so the best thing you can do is expose yourself. Tell people about it. And look, most people are going to be understanding, but by telling people about it, it gives more people not to nag you or make you necessarily feel bad because hopefully, you know, if you do tell somebody, they are not going to be like, oh, Betty, you're such a freaking, you know, F-tard and you're, you're, you're just such a waste of space. You know, of course, you don't want somebody like that. But if you have like somebody who's a very close friend to you, maybe preferably somebody who, go, who has an addiction issue, who can definitely relate to you, it, it's like going to confession. It's like getting it off your chest. So when you're wanting to eat, you boop, 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 you call them up and be like, Chance. I'm really wanting to eat. I really want to go to Burger King right now and just get like six big, you know, six Whoppers. I really want to do this. You know, talk me off the ledge. Talk me off the ledge. And then maybe that person will do it. And even if they don't, even if you go do it, at least you have that recourse. So expose, expose yourself. Tell people about it. There's no shame in it. That's part of the shame of it is thinking that there is shame in it. But it's better to tell people. Like in my life... Everybody well now everybody knows because I have a podcast series on it and my friends listen to it. But beforehand, I mean everybody knew. Every I mean I've told people and people would people knew I was overweight and I was pretty honest with it. The only issue about telling friends and, and family about it is like when you go eat out with them, you sometimes feel that like they're watching you. They're watching you. The hills have eyes. And so you think like, oh, what's he going to eat? Oh, what's he going to order? Oh, I wonder if he's going to take that home and binge it in the car. So, I mean, you, you can't be a little paranoid about that. But in general, it's very, very good to have someone to talk to. So please reach out and touch somebody. Not in a pervy way, of course. All right. The last step that I'm going to bring up is the, probably the most commonsensical one, which is see a therapist see a therapist this is not absolutely needed but it's recommended while there's certain inestimable benefits to having an accountability buddy or journaling or talking things out seeing a licensed therapist who specializes in eating disorders is a valuable asset because ultimately you'll need to address the underlying reasons why you binge eat And it helps to have someone there who's a professional to kind of guide you, kind of like the way Virgil guided, uh, oh no, Virgil guided Dante, right? Down into the inferno, right? Right. And so you have somebody there to help you. Now, typically with, binge eating and most eating disorders, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT works the best because it's, it's kind of its goal is to change your thought process in the middle of why you're doing it in the middle of of the process of doing it. So it does help to have a therapist. Now that being said, and this is not so much of a case for someone with an eating disorder, but there are some bad therapists. There are some bad therapists. So you know the old joke is like the, the therapist, psychologist, like the psychiatrist. No offense, if any of them are listening, are the most effed up people because they were traumatized in some part of their youth and they did not get help for it. And so, as a recourse or as kind of a an outreach, they want to help people who are messed up because they weren't helped. But the problem is, is that they never really addressed their issues of how they got messed up. So they carry a lot of that baggage into therapy. And I would definitely say that for like marriage counseling, or if you're like somebody who is still religious, it's really important to find a therapist who shares your, your ideology. But with, with therapists and binge eating, definitely go to somebody who has a history with dealing with eating disorders, but you also have a, have an eye of discernment to see what their agenda is because a lot of therapists do have an agenda. Some of them unknowingly do, and some of them knowingly do. But it would help to see a therapist. I did see a therapist. I, I saw a therapist back in 96 for, I think it was for anxiety, because I was during in the sweaty time, and they put me on Zoloft. And I took it for like two weeks, and I hated the way I felt, so I, I got off of it. And then I've been to therapy a few times, mostly for... The anxiety and then just like the extension of talking about my eating, talking about my eating. And then I did talk about my experiences with Overeaters Anonymous when I talked about food as my mistress, my, my time over in Alaska. So go check out that podcast episode. But definitely see a therapist if you can. Okie okay, dokie, in closing, these are some steps to Thwart the binge eating demons that are harassing you day in and day out. Ask, your, ask yourself the question, why are you doing it right before you do it? Go exercise to relieve the stress. Leave your money at home. Go punch something or scream in your car. Go journal, drink loads of water, chew gum. Have an accountability partner and go see a therapist. So guys, this is an ongoing process for, for many of you. And it still is an ongoing process for me. It is something that I have to deal with all the time, and fortunately, I have worked through most of them. Not to say that I am perfect, but I think that this podcast is important, and I know that there are many of you who are dealing with some sort of addiction. It doesn't have to be eating; it can be. Compulsive shopping, compulsive gambling, pornography, excessive tattooing even, sex addiction, alcoholism. You know, there's there's a load of them, a panoply of them. So a lot of them have the same kind of underlying issues. And so I understand this podcast is not just necessarily for former or current overweight people, but it's for everybody who has an addiction. And it's an ongoing process. And I am not necessarily one of those people who says, "Oh, I'm an alcoholic. It, it's a it's a disease," because I think some of that, when you when you call it a disease, like you see, like Harvey Weinstein, all these people, all the politicians, when they get caught having an affair, or just being a philanderer, they're like, "Oh, I'm addicted to sex," and then they go to some rehab clinic in France, like like Weinstein did. And I think when you when you call it a disease, it kind of takes the onus away from doing the deep work needed to figure out why we're doing it. Because you're like, oh, I just got a disease. You know, it's just like when we have... So maybe some underlying mental health issue, and then we finally go to the therapist, and they diagnose us, and we feel so comfortable afterwards. Like, oh, he said that I have oppositional defiance disorder, or I have uh, social phobia disorder. You're like, now, you know, now I feel better, because you, you, we do feel a little better being labeled. Now, to be the cynic, of course, you, you never go to a psychiatrist and not come out with some sort of diagnosis, because to get reimbursed, they have to code it, they, and they can't code something that... They can't code, quote, no underlying mental health problems. So they have to give you something to code it, to bill you, and of course, to give you prescription drugs for it. But that's neither here nor there. So listen, pass on this podcast series to other people that you know that might have issues with eating or addictions. Please post a review. It would mean so much to me, guys. It would literally take you two seconds to post a review so we can get the word out on this podcast, and of course, post reviews for Kate's Apothecary and NPE Radio. It would mean so much to me. Until next time, take care, God bless, and just work day in and day out to purge ourselves of these demons. Listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child, make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NaturalPathEarth. See you next time.